All right, we are going to give this a whirl here live. We had some technical issues here this morning, this afternoon here, so bear with me. This is not the best, um, the best position to be in, but uh, we'll see if we've actually got anybody jumping over to this live stream right now. Looks like we got Kevin Niebling. So um, while, while I'm waiting for some people to come over to this live stream, we are in Parsha via Schlack, and he sent from Bereshit Genesis chapter 32, verse 3, extending through Genesis chapter 36, verse 43. So if I can get maybe Kevin Niebling to give me a little bit of information, some um, feedback on the audio, on the visual. I've got Diesel Grandpa just showing up here. I can see you guys in the chat. If you could give me some feedback, tell me whether you've got good audio um, and whether this is actually going to work right now, okay? Um, here we go, here we go. So if you could just give me a little bit of feedback in the chat. I am not gonna get into the teaching until I see that um, we have some good audio, that we've got some good visuals. And um, then those of you that had the brethren over on the other live stream channel, if you can get them to jump over here. And yeah, I know the angle is interesting, Kevin Niebling. You get to look up my nostrils this afternoon. And that's just going to be the way it is. I think, I, as you can see, freshly showered. I'm good with it if you are. You can always turn off my ugly mug and just listen to my fabulous voice. So anyway, I'm kidding, people. I'm kidding. Bear with me. We are giving it a whirl. Our backup failed. Our in-studio failed. But you know what? Somehow we pivoted and shifted, and here we go. So bring the other brethren over. I'm going to be live. I am live, but I'm going to actually start the teaching in about two minutes, giving you an opportunity to tell all of the other tribe members out there scattered abroad to come over onto this live studio stream this blessed Shabbat at four o'clock. It only took us an hour to Mickey Mouse around to get here. But I actually kind of like it from my end because I can get to see all of you chatting away whilst I do the teaching. So it's kind of fun for me, even though you have to look up my nostrils. Diesel Grandpa up there in Snohomish. We weren't here um, last Shabbat because we were up in Snohomish, up there in crazy Washington for Connor's Memorial, which, which was absolutely just an amazing event and truly, truly blessed. As sad as it was, it was inspiring to see so many people coming around the family of the tribes out here in the dispersion and giving that support and giving that their condolences. And we were able to break bread together and just remember a fantastic and phenomenal tribal saint that has gone on to glory. So Yahuwah is good, Yahuwah is faithful, and we are back this this blessed Shabbat. Give me a minute here and I will hit you up. Bereshit, Genesis, Parsha, Vayishlak, and he sent, and it comes to us from the 32nd chapter, beginning in the third verse. Well, hopefully you guys are um, 
coming over onto this, this stream right now. And I will turn in the appropriate scriptures here to the 32nd chapter of Genesis. Now, I just dropped something on the floor. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to reach it without entangling myself. Give me a minute. I'll be back. I got it. Don't you love life? Don't you love life? I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Pause, pause. Well, what is tonight's water? Crystal Rosa, thank you very much. Bring me back to reality. Tonight's sparkling water is Vita Springs well water with a touch of pineapple thrown in there just for a refreshing twang to help me get through this next hour here. What a um, eventful afternoon. All right, Kevin Niebling, give me thumbs up if we are ready to go. Either you or Diesel Grandpa, tell me if we are ready to go. All right, I'm looking at the chat here. Oh, I'm going to move it from top chat to all chat. How about that? Wouldn't that work better? Uh, live chat, there you go. Now I'm going to see you all. We are ready, says Diesel Grandpa. Okay, okay, am I? The question is, am I ready? All right, you can see me. This is a first. I've never done it live, live, live like this. So you'll get me in all of my ugliness and all of my weakness. Well, let's pray, brethren. Yahuwah is faithful. Abba, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your majesty. And we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that in spite of this world and the technical problems that we may have, that we have the faith and endurance of the saints. And I pray, Yahweh, that your word would go forth out to the nations because we know that your word is alive and with us today. Blessings upon all the brethren, the 12 tribes scattered abroad in Yahushua's mighty, mighty name. So here we are in Parsha Vayishlak in the Hebrew, which means and he sent, coming to us from Genesis chapter 32, verse 3, and extending, like I said, through chapter 36, verse 43. Of course, I hope that you are getting to walk through the Torah portion by going to TorahToTheTribes.com and downloading the Torah schedule for the year. Now, my recommendation with your family, with your friends, is to start reading the upcoming Torah cycle on Sunday, the first day of the Roman week, and continue to read it all the way through the week. And then on Shabbat, you'll be prepared for the teaching because I'm just bringing forth my insights, but really and truly, the admonition is for you during the week to receive from Yahuwah, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the living word, the insights relevant to your life, to your family, and to your community. So we have to dig wells together, and I can help and pray to bring more reflection on the Shabbat, but ultimately bring forth the waters yourself by digging into the word during the week. So here we find Esau meeting 
Yaakov, Jacob after 22 years. And in the third <laughs> verse, it says thus, Then Yaakov, Jacob, sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir. In the land of Seir. Give me a second here. The country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my master Esau. Thus your servant Yaakov says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my master that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Yaakov saying, we came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. So Yaakov was greatly vexed. And he was distressed, and he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels, into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Now, prophetically, what we're looking at is the whole house of Israel, all 12 tribes. But we know that the northern tribes were scattered and taken into captivity, 10 tribes, and two tribes remain. This, prophetically, is talking about the division of the two houses of Israel. While one is attacked, another is preserved. Prophetically, we have Ephraim, us, the scattered ten tribes into the nations, and then we have the southern tribes also scattered. Now, today, many people think the Jews are those people, the Zionists in the Middle East. But if you have looked and delve into the migration of Judah teaching, then we know who the true Jews are today. Scattered, yes, in the nations, but hidden under the wings of Yahuwah. So this prophetically is about the division of the tribes. But I want to look at this today and deal with a couple of aspects in our world. Fear, faith, and Yaakov's trouble, or what will come, the great tribulation. Because we need to make a distinction between Jacob's trouble and the great tribulation. Now what happens when an overwhelming terror seizes upon you. Because this is what happens to Yaakov, Jacob here. There is an overwhelming fear. There is an overwhelming terror, and it affects him. But where did it come from? It was generational because Rebecca was the one who instilled it upon him. You see, it was his mother, generational sin, fear, that came from the forefathers that is brought down to the succeeding generations that isn't dealt with brings him now into this climatic event where his fear cripples him and it's going to go down to the next generation. This is a very applicable teaching for us today because we need to overcome the fear that the world is trying to put upon you and put upon I. Because ultimately, 
Where, who was the originator of fear? It was Esau himself. And this all happened a few parshas back with the pottage and the birthright. And for you and I right now to overcome fear, we're going to have to track down the origins of the birth certificate, the social security number, and all of these adhesion contracts that have caught people by surprise right now. Because the governments of the world are taking advantage of the fact that you and I sold our birthright for a bowl of pottage. But we can reclaim that birthright by walking in faith, not in the fear that Esau is putting on the world. Because this ultimately goes to a birthright. It ultimately goes to the birthright. Are we in Yaakov's trouble? Are we in Jacob's trouble? The rabbis say that Jacob's trouble is the vexing that comes before the coming of Mashiach. We would say Mashiach, Yahusha, isn't going to come until we have gone through the great tribulation, which is Jacob's second trouble, if you will. But the prophets were very aware of the time that would come upon the end of the age. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet says to us in the 30th chapter and the 7th verse, For that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Yaakov's, Jacob's trouble. So this Torah Pasha, it's powerful because it is about a house divided. It is about a house divided into two companies. And who's going to be saved out of it? Who's going to be saved out of it? Am I going to be saved out of my fear? Are you going to be saved out of your fear? Because newsflash, everybody. We live in a world of overwhelming fear. It has seized the world and taken people captive, where humanity is truly divided right now into two companies. Two companies. I was surprised when I went up to, to um, Seattle last weekend. I could see that there was a division between certain people that were allowed to eat inside and there was a whole different class of humanity that had to eat outside in the rain. There is a divided company. There are people marching in the streets all over Europe today over a divided company. Those who have gotten the jab, those that haven't. Those that have complied with Esau's mandates and those that haven't. Genesis, Bereshit 32, verse 7, it is written, Then Yaakov, Jacob, was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people. Let's talk about this fear, brethren. Let's talk about this fear. Because I certainly don't want to be propagating fear but I also don't want to sidestep it and go, oh, everything's fine. Because quite honestly, 
The Christian church has done that, and many people have taken the advice of Esau. They have capitulated to evil because everybody, oh, it's just fine, it's fine. It's, it, we're going to get raptured out of here anyway, so it doesn't know. So we, there is a balance. I have a responsibility. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't want to push fear, and some of you would speak, my critics would say, well, you have. Well, you know, you can read and study the Revelation series, and yes, it was in the thick of 2020, and yes, sometimes, I agree, I've gone full on to that. Opening up, I hope, our eyes to the reality of where we at. Why? For admonition and for warning. Because it's a prophetic message to a prophetic people, you, who have the eyes and the ears to hear and the eyes to see in this generation. Fear, though, too much of it, it drives us into the hand of the enemy. And it is fear that led Jacob to being a slave. And how long was he a slave? 21 years. He was a slave, and it was his fear that drove him into slavery. Fear, it causes division. And you can see that within your families, those that are afraid and those that are like, have faith. Fear causes division. But ultimately, fear causes a division of self. When I'm afraid, I am operating in my lower regions, the regions of my flesh, the regions of my soulish self. But when I am in faith and hope and power and ministry, I am operating in the higher realms of the Ruach, the Spirit. And I always go back to Romans 7, because that is my life chapter, if you will. And we were talking about it, the brothers, why we were trying to deal with all this technical stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's driving me crazy. And that flesh is rising up of frustration. But we've overcome. Might not be pretty. You've got to see my nostrils. It might not be pretty, but we're here together, brethren, the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Fear. It's a division of self. It's a division of you going into your lower regions. Fear is the lowest realm of ourselves. Fear resides in our carnal regions. The loins, the gut, the intestines, the very bowels of man. Fear, it can cause you to fall into Immorality, which happens in the lower regions. It can force you to have self-hatred. That's what fear does and doubt. Fear can cause you to lose your appetite. How many of you have been afraid? And then you, you do not feel like eating whatsoever. Why? Because it affects your gut, your intestines, your very innards, or Conversely, some people will become gluttonous. How many people have packed on pounds during the lockdown, right? Why? Because you're sitting at home and you're afraid and you're snacking on chips or whatever it is, right? The world is propagating this because the world has aligned itself with the fear that originates 
with Esau, which is Edom, which is globalism. This is where we're at. Fear can cause you to lose your appetite, to increase your appetite, because it is an intestinal or gut lower region realm. Fear steals peace. Fear robs you of sleep. Genesis 32, verse 32, it is written, And he, Yaakov, Jacob, rose up that night. Why? He couldn't sleep. He was afraid. Jacob wrestled with his fears. He wrestled with his self. It's Jacob's fear that enslaved him to Laban in the very first place. In Genesis, Bereshit 27, verse 42, it is written. In fact, it's not written because I'm going to do a paraphrase. But turn there, and as I do a paraphrase, you read along in the scripture, and you see how I'm drawing the text out here and paraphrasing it and communicating, hopefully, it back to you so that you can see where we're at today. Genesis 27, verse 42. There's a fear of dying in the text. And how does it happen? It materializes in Jacob's world. How? Because his mother, Rebekah, she overhears. She overhears Esau's plan. And she becomes fearful. And then she starts to communicate that fear to Yaakov, and then he acts upon it. Today, in our world, is this how we've got to such a fearful state? Somebody overheard something fearful, and they knew that by whispering this fear all over the world, it would cause a division in the companies of man. It would cause a division in the nations and that most would align themselves with Edom and Esau. And generationally, it affects those that are more fearful. From the mother to the father to the son down to the children. And then those of faith, overcomers, wrestle more with it. I've had to wrestle more with it. We all have, let's be honest. But look at this text, Genesis 27, verse 42 and onward. There's a fear of dying that materializes in Jacob's world because his mother, Rebekah, overhears. The words of Esau, they spread fear within the family. If you don't do this, Yaakov, then this fearful thing could happen to you. This fearful thing is as touching thee. It's purposing to kill thee, Genesis 27, verse 43. Now, therefore, you see, fear subdues, and it subdues Yaakov into obedience. Fear subdues a person into compliance. You need to go away to Esau. You just need to go away and put yourself into slavery, okay, under the protection of somebody else. Is that what the government's offering you? They're offering you protection. Come under their camp, into their camp. They'll enslave you, but they're offering you something. This is how 
Esau's fear works. And it's only when Yaakov finally had enough and he was wrestling with this. And he's like, well, hang on a minute. And he starts to question what exactly is all this trickery that is going on. Either I can stay here and I am going to be overcome by the trickery that is presenting, presenting itself as Laban, white. Oh, it's there to help you. It's good. It's holy. But really, it is from the depths of darkness. Laban, Laban, meaning white. And it's only after 25, 21 years of being in that system that Yaakov finally gets the courage to come out of her, my people. He had to wrestle with his fears. My son, Rebecca says, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Obey, obey, obey. Fear, obey the fear, obey the fear and flee, flee. You've got to be afraid of everybody and everything. You better not hug, you better not shake hands. This is how the whole thing comes from fear, the lower regions. Now, it won't be for too long, Rebecca says. This is what she says to Yaakov. You know, it's just going to be a couple of weeks to flatten the curve. Genesis 27, verse 44, and tarry with him a few days. It's not going to be too long until thy brother's fury turns away. It's fear, brethren, that enslaves us, isn't it? Isn't it? The only reason Yaakov ended up in Lavan's, Laban's company, was because he gave into the fear that invaded his world. It invaded his world. He capitulated to the fear of Esau. Yahweh is going to save us from the fear that this world is peddling. Brethren, he is. Yahweh is going to bring to an end the nations that are peddling this fear. That is what you are seeing being manifest right now. You see, Esau thrives on the perception of fright. And the nations are circling the drain economically, politically, socially, and militarily because they are propagating the fear of Esau. And Jacob, the world over, is waking up and say, I'm ready to leave Laban's house. I'm ready to leave Laban's house. So we are about to enter into a great awakening of truth. And that is exciting, brethren. That is exciting that you and I are living in this generation. Esau thrives on the perception of fright. In Jeremiah, in the 30th chapter, and the 10th verse, it is written, Therefore fear not, Matthew, fear not my 12 tribes scattered abroad, says Yahuwah. Fear not my servant Yaakov, says Yahuwah, neither be discouraged. 
And have you been dis? I have been discouraged. We've all been discouraged. We've been discouraged that some people that we love made poor decisions. They capitulated to the, and you're, oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that. Why did they do that? Oh, you know why they wanted to go on vacation. Oh my goodness, do you realize what you, 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 we've been discouraged. People you thought would stand, they capitulated. Where are they? What do you mean? How many of us have been discouraged? I know I have. I spoke to my mother just a few days. I was discouraged. Why? Because she was happy clappy about getting the third update. And I'm like, oh, good grief. Good grief. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned for those that I love, as you are. It can be discouraging. Therefore fear not, O my servant Yaakov, says Yahweh. Neither be discouraged, O Israel. For see, I will save you from afar. And your seed, that's your DNA, from the land of their exile. And Yaakov shall shub. He shall return. He's going to make repentance. And he shall be in rest and be in shalom. And no one shall make him afraid. We're going to overcome these fears, brethren. Together we're going to overcome the spirit of Esau. For I am with you, says Yahweh, to save you, though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you. Yet I will not make a full end of you, but I will correct you in measure and will not leave you altogether unpunished. Yes, there are consequences for the bad choices that we have made. But Yahweh is about to give the 12 tribes scattered abroad an immune system boost as you seek him and you seek his ways. Because it's written in Jeremiah 30 in the 17th verse, for I will restore health to you. What Esau have tried to steal from you through fear, Yahweh, when you become Yaakov, he is going to restore health to you. It's the end of fear, which is the exile. We're going to come to the end of the exile, brethren, and it's through faith, and we're going to exit fear through the power of the Ruach, faith and the Spirit. You see, exile has always, through the Scriptures, been associated with sickness. Exile has always been associated with departure from Torah. Ezekiel 34 verse 4 is a great reference for you, where it says, And I will heal you of your wounds, says Yahuwah, because they called you an outcast. How many of you have been treated like outcasts? How many of you are having to sit outside in the rain? How many of you have to sit outside? How many of you are being segregated based upon the decisions that you make about your own personal private health. How many of you? He's going to heal you of those wounds that you have been afflicted by because you have been hurt emotionally, because you have felt discouraged. He says, because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion whom no man seeks after. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. 
This says Yahweh, see, I will turn back the exile of Yaakov, Jacob's tents, and I will have rachamin, that's mercy, on his dwelling places. And the city shall be rebuilt upon its own heap, and the palace shall remain in its right place. And in verse 24 of Jeremiah, verse um, chapter 30, it says, when will you consider this? Right now. In the latter days, you will consider it. We are in those latter days. In Jeremiah 31, and in the sixth verse, it is written, For there shall be a day that the called out Netzarim, the Notzarim, the ones who watch on the Mount of Ephraim, shall cry, that's Teruah, like the sound of a shofar, and we shall cry, like the sound of a shofar. Arise, and let us go up to Zion, to Yahuwah our Elohim. Now going back to our text in Genesis, again, look at the third verse. And Yaakov sent Malachim, angels. What angels? These are the angels from the ladder that will be ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The very scripture, when Nathaniel was feeling hopeless, despondent, sitting under the fig tree, that Yahushua said, I saw you there. I saw you when you were an outcast. And Nathaniel knew that he was known. And you need to know that you are known, brethren. And then, of course, Nathaniel responds and says, You are the son of the living Elohim. And Yahushua said, What? Because I said I saw you sitting under the fig tree? Brethren, you are known. You have always been known. He says, I foreknew you before you were in your mother's womb. But now is the time to come out of unbelief. To come. No, oh, you haven't been overlooked. You are not the outcast. We have to give up the fear of Esau and move now and struggle to come into that faith that Yaakov finally gets to in the scripture. And Yaakov sent messengers, Malachim, angels from the ladder there, before him to Esau, his brother, to the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, So shall you speak to my master Esau. Your servant Yaakov says this, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. Until when? Until now. Until this time of my trouble. Until the time of Yaakov's trouble. This refers to the two 21-year times in Yaakov's life and the two 210-year cycles in the nation's fulfillment. Now, many people think that the children of Israel went down into Mitzrayim for 400 and something years, 430 years, based upon a misreading of the text. They were enslaved for 210 years down in Mitzrayim in Egypt. And you can, you can cross-reference that with Shemot, Exodus chapter 6, and the genealogies. It's 210 years. 
because I shared just a few weeks ago, you may remember, that there are cycles and revolutions within nations. And there was a 21-year cycle in the nation that Yaakov came from Yaakov, Jacob. And then there was another 21-year cycle. And these were cycles of fear and tribulation, which led to a 210-year cycles in national fulfillment meaning they are political, social, and cultural. A few Torah portions back, I shared with you about there being three cycles of a 28-year cycle that led to an 84-year cycle of thrice that then leads to a 252-year cycle. You may remember that. Now, if you were to look back at that teaching and you were to look back at those cycles, you'd look at the 80-year cycle And you'd look at how in 1848, which was two cycles ago, there was this populist uprising. It lasted for a bit. You know, Karl Marx wrote at that point the Communist Manifesto. Are you seeing that cycle right now? Are you seeing Marxism and communism being recycled? How is it? How can it be so? You had the springtime of the people revolution in 1848 in Europe. There's another revolution going on in Europe right now because people are pushing back against this kind of cycle. Then, of course, there was another 80-year cycle back in the 1930s. Regime change, right? We need a regime change. Of course, we had World War II and all that entailed. And, of course, we had had, um, FDR's New Deal, right? And I spoke about that, where there is no money. And then that next 80-year cycle brings us to, possibly, Yaakov's trouble. Are we there right now? Are you in Jacob's trouble? Are you, is the society, the world currently wrestling with a division of people? There is this section of society, and there is this section of society. One camp is given into Esau. Another camp is wrestling and questioning and trying to really tap into being that overcoming of all of your natural senses are fear-based. Right? There's a division of the camps going on in the world right now. People are primed for the gospel message. Because Jacob is scattered abroad as the 12 tribes. And Esau is hunting him down with fear. We see that Esau is collectivism, a collectivism of fear. We're all in this together. We're all, in, we're all to be afraid together. We all need to be seriously afraid of touching the doorknob. We really do. Versus Yaakov, Jacob, who's all about individualism. You know, I'd like to just be able to be left alone and steward my own vessel. Is that okay? These are the cycles of 80 years. Esau is all about central control. Central control. Whereas Yaakov is a generational shift. I'm leaving Laban. I'm leaving. 
It's a generational shift. We have to think about the times and the seasons in which we are in because I believe that is a shift from fear to faith. Yaakov's first trouble. The world currently, brethren, as we can see, is full of fear. And that fear has compounded the world's trouble. But that's not all that is at work today. The populations of the world who have bought into this fear and trouble have also been taking payouts in the form of Laban's benefits. And what they don't realize, just like Yaakov, Jacob, they have been robbed. They have been absolutely plundered. They are no longer beneficiaries of their own labor. Was Jacob a beneficiary of his own? Not really. No, he wasn't. He was an indebted servant, was he not? How many of you are actually beneficiaries of your own labor? Well, if you're beneficiaries of your own labor, then why are you still part of Mystery Babylon? Aren't you entitled to be the beneficiary of your own labor? Yaakov was in fear, and that fear allowed him to buy in to Laban's servitude and slavery because he thought Laban was going to take care of him. Jacob was in fear which brought trouble when he sojourned with Laban. When Jacob arrived in Haran, he was a pauper. He was a pauper. He was broke. He was destitute because he was actually robbed of the dowry that his father, Yitzhak, Isaac, had given to him for his bride. He was robbed by a son of Esau called Eliphaz in exchange for his life. And I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that they have been robbed of their dowry. They have been robbed of their inheritance at birth by this plan of Esau. Now, in fact, some of you may have the book of Yasher. I'm going to read to you from the book of Yasher in the 29th chapter and the 30th verse. This talks about how Jacob was robbed of the dowry. And Isaac finished commanding Jacob and blessing him. And he gave him many gifts together with silver and gold. And he sent him away. And Jacob hearkened to his father and mother. He kissed them and arose and went to Param Aran. And Jacob was 77 years old when he went out of the land of Canaan from Beersheba. People don't realize how old he was. And Yahweh's plan for his life had not even unfolded at this time. You have not been overlooked. Yahweh is with you, brethren. He has a plan for you to come out of all of that fear, all of that slavery, everything that you have been told about how the system, the man is going to take care of you, is slavery. It's not true. Yahweh is preparing us for the millennium 
where we will be the ones that will control through the power of the Holy Spirit and honor and stewardship, drip water irrigation, that if the nations do not come up and honor Yahuwah at, at the Feast of Tabernacles, then we're going to shut off their water for their crops. It's that simple. No longer a part of this one world order. No longer. It's happening all over the world. The 31st verse of the book of Jasher in the 29th chapter. And when Jacob went away to go to Haran, Esau called unto his son Eliphaz. And he secretly spoke unto him, saying, Now hasten, take thy sword in thy hand, and pursue Jacob, and pass before him in the road, and lurk for him, and slay him with thy sword in one of the mountains, and take all belonging to him, and come back. And Eliphaz, the son of Esau, he was an active man, and he was at the expert with the bow as his father had taught him. And he was a noted hunter in the field. He was a hunter, a valiant man. He was a man of the world. He was a carnal man. And Eliphaz did as his father had commanded him. And Eliphaz was at the time. 13 years old. And Eliphaz rose up and went and took 10 of his mother's brothers and him, and he pursued Jacob. And he closely contact traced, if you will, Jacob. He was following his every look. Do you feel like you? I mean, I do. My goodness gracious. Contact traced Jacob, and he looked for him in the border of the land of Canaan, opposite to the city of Shechem. And Yaakov, Jacob, became aware. Whoa, hang on a minute. My phone's tracking me. Every Oh, you download the... Are you starting to become aware of things that maybe at first you thought, oh, it's kind of convenient. I like this. Well, maybe not so convenient anymore, is it? The knowings of every single thing that you're doing that is being plugged into the system because this is Eliphaz, this is Esau, trying to track, contact, trace Jacob wherever he's going. Track him and trace him. And this is what we see. And he looked for his brother in the land of Canaan, opposite the city of Shechem. And Jacob became aware. I am so blessed that I am aware. It's my faith that makes me aware. It's your faith that makes you aware. Otherwise, you'd be unaware like the rest of them. It's our faith, not fear. It's our faith that has made us aware, brethren. You're aware. Praise Yahweh. You're ready for the millennium. Because like Yaakov, it's becoming aware that gives you the opportunity to overcome fear. Jacob becomes aware of Eliphaz and his men pursuing him. And Yaakov stood. We need to stand on our square. No matter what kind of pressure you may be facing, you have to stand on your square in the place where you are. That's exactly what Yaakov did. He stood in the place in which he was going, in order to know what this was. Sometimes you just have to stop 
responding to all the fear that Esau tries to, oh, you're going to lose this, oh, this, that, and this, this could happen. And pos-. Just stand. Stand on your square. And then you become aware. For he did not know the thing. And Eliphaz drew his sword and he went on advancing, he and his men toward Jacob. You see, they will keep coming. They will keep coming unless you just stand. It will never be enough. You will never give up enough of your rights. You will never give up enough of your rights. They will keep coming for more. You will never be able to give and, and, and appease what they want of your body and your health. It will never be. When will you just say, i got to just stand here. This is where I stand. And then Yaakov said unto them, What is to do with you that you have come hither? And what meaneth that you pursue with your swords? And Eliphaz came near to Yaakov, Jacob, and he answered and said unto him, Thus did my father command me, and now therefore I will not deviate from his mandates. And you've got people today, they won't, doesn't matter how much you try and reason with stupid, people will not deviate from what is written on a piece of paper. And now you can see how despots thrived in the past because people, they have lost the ability to cognize. They have lost the ability to reason. If it's not on a piece of paper and it's not in there, no, 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 they they cannot, they're so full of fear that they are just following the mandates of their father. And you know who their father is, right? We all do. Yahushua took the very Pharisees to task because of it. They followed the mandates which my father gave me, says Eliphaz. And when Yaakov saw that Esau had spoken to Eliphaz to employ force, Yaakov then approached and supplicated Eliphaz and his men. He was able to come in meekness and honor once he became aware. And he said unto them, verse 37, Behold, all that I have which my father and mother gave unto me, that take unto thee and go from me and do not slay me. And may this thing be accounted unto thee as righteousness. And Yahweh caused Yaakov to find favor in the sight of Eliphaz, the son of Esau, and his men. And they hearkened to the voice of Yaakov and they did not put him to death. And Eliphaz and his men took all belonging to Yaakov together with the silver and the gold that he had brought with him from Beersheba, and they left him nothing. You know what they're saying? By 2030, you will own nothing and be happy. And you're starting to see that today. People are happy not to be going to work because they believe that Esau, that Laban is going to provide and continue to provide for them. And they they don't want to own anything. And they're going to be absolutely thrilled that they own nothing because they believe that Esau and Laban will provide for them. But what they don't realize is they've sold themselves into a system 
of slavery, where you are no longer beneficiaries of your own labor. Verse 39, And Eliphaz and his men went away from him, and they returned to Esau, to Beersheba. And they told him all that had occurred to them with Yaakov, and they gave, gave him all that they had taken from Jacob. Jacob was plundered. He was absolutely plundered. So how long was Yaakov's first trouble? It was 21 years. Seven years plus seven years, and he was released after he, after he had served that six years. In the seventh year, he went free. 21 years. He was an indentured servant. And brethren, if we just continue to stay in the system, we will fall into dishonor just like Jacob did. And then because Jacob fell into dishonor with Eliphaz and just giving up everything, he was plundered. He then went into a system and set period of bondage with Laban that followed. Does that make sense? It's Yahweh's Torah where we learn to be free. Because it's servitude that really, really brought Yaakov into his lower realms, where there was trickery, mistrust, and bondage. And he fell into dishonor. At some point, we need to awaken and say, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I am going to stand and I'm going to come out because I have faith that I will see the amazing plans that Yahuwah has for me. And on his return to Canaan, he then wrestles with the angel at Peniel. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And he's given that name at that point. Yaakov becomes Israel from Peniel. Yaakov went to Sukkot, where he stayed for a year and a half. That's spoken of in the book of Jasher in the 33rd chapter and the 4th verse. What's really significant, I think, as you look at the cycles, going back to those cycles, whether it's a 21-year cycle of slavery and servitude, or like the 210-year cycle, as the families of Jacob went down into Egypt, and they grew into a multitude. It only took 210 years. But what you see... In our life cycle, 210 years ago, what were, there was this uprising over taxes, right? And look how where we're at right now. 22 and 21, they're very significant, especially if you look into the Hebrew gematria, because you'll see that 22 is the number of light, and it appears 22 times, actually. It's quite fascinating. In the Gospel of John. Now, 21 is indicative of bondage. 21 years with Laban in bondage, in bondage to sin prior to this great release that you see happening now. When he came into the 22nd year, there was this great release. So these two numbers, they represent a progression from slavery and servitude, hard labor and bondage caused by what? following fear. 
The fear of the flesh causes you to go into bondage and slavery and servitude, which is why it's being propagated so much now, because people are, are afraid. Well, I'll stay home. I don't want to go to work. Oh, I'm going to be taken care of by Laban. And now there's jobs everywhere and nobody can hire because nobody wants to work because everybody's going to own nothing and be fabulously happy by the year 2030. This is all part of Agenda 21. You see, the last generation, brethren, will experience 42 months of tribulation. 42, of course, being a double Jacob's trouble. 21 years with Laban, double the trouble. Double the trouble. This is a double Yaakov's trouble, tribulation, and double the trouble is great tribulation. This is where it all comes from. Now, when Israel was in the wilderness, there's 21 recorded sins of Israel. In the wilderness between the Exodus and the Jordan, when they came out of that 210-year cycle, there is this wilderness experience. And they fall into sin. And there's the 21 recorded sins of Israel. Because then they weren't able to grasp hold of their inheritance and cross over. And a whole generation passed away. You see, there's a prophetic breach between the messianic line and the birthright. It's a breach between king and kingdom. And if we're truly going to enter into the kingdom, we have to embrace the king every single day. Yes, they were in Egypt for 210 years. Israel's first 210-year time of trouble as a corporate nation directly parallels Jacob's 21-year time of trouble. Now, since we're dealing with a time of trouble on a greater level of fulfillment, keep this in mind. The time frame's going to be longer. And it's going to be characterized by 21, 21, 210. That's Israel's second 210-year time of trouble. And it's a direct parallel to Jacob's 21-year separation from Joseph. Remember when Joseph was gone? Jacob now, this is his great tribulation. His beloved son, he, think is, he thinks is dead. 21 years, he's separated. And was that his great tribulation? For sure and for certain. It was the loss of his beloved son. He was separated for Joseph for 21 years. And now, as we're scattered out here in the nations, we all feel like we're separated. But Yahweh was gathering us together. This is the time of the regathering. There was a time of separation, but now is the time of regathering. And that regathering can only happen when we overcome Esau's fear that he's trying to put upon the tribes of Israel. The rest of the world capitulates to the fear. They're going to go with Laban. They're going to go with the benefits. They're going to go with the privileges. They'll own nothing and they will be happy. But the descendants of Jacob are like, hang on a minute. 
No, this is all fear-based. I have got to overcome. I've got to wrestle with my lower regions. I've got to wrestle with myself because ultimately I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I have to stand on my square, deal with Eliphaz, deal with those that want to steal my birthright and your birthright. We have to stand and we have to go, hang on a minute. What does the prophecy say? that we are going to meet the Malak, the angel of Yahuwah. Yes, that we are going to have to struggle with these things that we've done, these adhesion contracts. Yes, my mother signed on the line and I got a birth certificate. What does that mean? What does this marriage certificate mean? Well, it means that you're in partnership of a union with the state, okay, which means that they have access to your children until you rescission these things. What about the social security number? What about, it's review time. It's review of the adhesion contracts because everything, brethren, is commercial because mystery Babylon is commercial. Therefore, that is what Laban was interested in. Was he interested in Yaakov personally, privately? No, he was interested in Yaakov commercially what Yaakov could produce for him. It's all commercial. And if you stay in the commercial realm without making a shift in this next season, you will own nothing and you will be happy. It's time for us to look at the adhesion contracts with Laban. It's time for us to reflect upon the things that we once did and change and pivot and shift to the new world that is coming. And it's the millennium where there will be those that are indentured servants to the Esau Labanite system. And there will those that will go into the promised land, the sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And you will be those in the millennium reign. And I believe that Yahweh is preparing us to walk as kings and priests on this earth, as everybody else is now deciding to capitulate to the fear, to the terror of Esau. It truly is an awakening. Either we stay signed into Ishmael, we stay signed into Esau, we stay signed in to Laban's birthright, or we make a decision. We start to look at those adhesion contracts. We rescission the contracts and we secure our birthright with Jacob. And Jacob's birthright is secured by Joseph, Messiah ben Joseph. And when that happens, brethren, you have a status change, a status correction and you become kings and priests no longer operating in the commercial venue. You're now operating in a kingdom realm, and it is powerful. So I can go right to the chat right now because I see you all here, and I'll have a couple of minutes of chat, and I pray that this, even though it was a little bit odd, wasn't it, doing it like this, that you were able to... Um, Enjoy the teaching and give me a moment here. Levi, would you pass my um, spectacles to me, please? Thank you very much. Now, 
if you want me to grab hold of a chat, please redline me at TorahToTheTribes.com and um, give me some of your thoughts. Give me some of your thoughts on the teaching and on the analogy here. And maybe some of you have read the book of Jasher. Maybe some of you haven't. But please give me some of your thoughts, ideas, and opinions of what you think is happening in the Torah Parsha, how it relates to us today in this world, and um, what's going on. Now, Truth Like Velcro says the catch are the cats are watching Matthew. The cats, what kind of cats? All right, we are now in the chat. Let's see. Got the live chat here. Shiloh says the new reality of adhesion contracts, mystery Babylon, the great reset. They will own no nobody, and they, the wicked reprobates, will have no shalom. I like that. The Torah portions are fabulous, Alex de Adam. That's for sure. Yes, praise Yahuwah. Yes, Chris de la Rosa. Yes, he says, how do I renounce my state marriage license? I want to keep my wife, though. Exactly. It was only up until, it was only that since the 1930s that the state started to get involved, of course, because that was, you know, when they took back, um, took all the gold and the silver, and the state wanted to get involved. But for, for thousands of years, we've had private marriage contracts between a man and his wife and the creator Elohim, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. It's really not difficult. There's no reason for the state ever to be involved in the private affairs of man. But we have been, of course, duped into this from birth. But now is the time where Jacob is saying, hang on a minute, Laban. I don't want what you have to offer anymore. I don't need it. I'm willing to go with Yahuwah, with my faith, and Yahuwah will provide. And then the others, those that give in to the fear, they there again go with the other way. These are questions, Chris De La Rosa, that we will do a seminar on at some point in the private. And I think we are collecting um, enough resources together to bring forth a lot of help to the community. So be patient, be patient as we research, learn, and of course, pursue truth like Velcro says, thank you for such a great analogy of Laban's house to the new world order, or at least the world as we know it now. The snake bite is another seven years of hard labor with death. That's a good analogy. Thank you, truth like Velcro. Kevin Nita, thank you for the message. It always helps keep things in perspective. Oh, thank you, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Uh, sorry, my chat just jumped on me there. 
Oh, here we go. Bear with me, guys. Do you think the Great Reset is the tribulation? I, I think that it is definitely looking that way to me. It really is. But, you know, no man knows the day or the hour of the coming of Mashiach, but we can sure know the seasons and the times that we follow the Moedim, listen to the sound of the shofar, and my goodness, it is moving fast. What would take 10 years now is happening within a year. And you think they're going to relinquish the control? No, because fear, fear is what is keeping the people down. Miss Shazy says, great teaching tonight. Best advice I've been given to handle fear is 2 Corinthians 10.5 to take every thought. We just prayed that right before we got started tonight, Miss Shazzy, to take captive every thought and made it, make it obedient, of course, to Yahushua HaMashiach. So my admonition, and I know it is now Miss Shazy's admonition, learn that scripture by heart as a prayer and pray it back to Yahuwah. I've been praying this scripture for most probably a decade. And you'll be amazed if you have any controversy in your life or any problems whatsoever, and you pray this scripture, it literally pierces the veil and the power of heaven comes into your life and brings shalom. It truly is amazing. We have a Malkizadic wife, and she says, Yah gave me a dream. November 2014, that the USA would be invaded by China and Iran by robotic soldiers. We were starving, no food. The toddlers couldn't find bread, but it meant the word was hid. Many people have been contacting me about their dreams, and there is seemingly a correlation going towards this very theme that does make me wonder. Of course, when Yaakov dreamt, we like to see a dream repeated, do we not? Two or three times to establish a matter. Megan W., yes, if they introduce basic income, will they? Yeah, anything that you, there's always going to be strings attached in the commercial venue, in the commercial realm. They can only operate commercially. Commercially is where the power is. But if you don't choose to contract in the commercial venue, there is. And some people get upset. Well, I have a right, according to the Constitution, to be able to travel, and I should be able to go and fly and see my mum. No, you shouldn't. Where do you get that? It's called a commercial airline. It's commercial. We're not thinking. See? No, you don't have a right to fly. I don't have a right to fly. If I was, I would be a bird. All right. Now, do I have a right to travel and walk and to be able to move? Yes. In my wagon? Yes. Across the prairie? Yes. But not, not to fly, not quite yet. You know, I'll have to wait to the resurrection. And then that right will be bestowed upon us all. 
Modesto Gaza, Shabbat Shalom, my brother. I keep having dreams and signs in life about eagles. Now they can fly. What does could the eagle symbolize biblically? Well, many things. Of course, it was those birds of prey, those unclean birds that came down upon the carcasses at the division, at the covenant. So oftentimes, you know, where the eagles are, the vultures are. What is the symbol of the United States? What is the symbol of much of this commercial venue that is, of course, Levi, would you like to come up here and teach? All right. All right. Mm. I'm going to be dealing some, doing, doing some vulture stuff on you in a minute, crying out loud. Oh, I tell you, these boys are mine. Does anybody feel it? Does anybody feel it generationally? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Levi. You want to come up here and say hi? You want to put your mug on the screen? No, he's not. He's now he's, he's getting worried. Fake jaws. Oh, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, uh, oh, fake jaws. Fake, oh, fake jaws. Fake Jews. J-O-O-Z. That is a username. I'm not going to um, use the rest of your username, and I like your icon. And, um, <laughs> I'm surprised that they actually allow that username. Make sure to leave all the false doctrines we learn from the world while leaving Laban's house. Thank you. Or the satanic snakes will pursue you like Jacob was because his wife took Laban's false gods with him. That's a very good analogy right there. Exactly. We can't be bringing the false gods with us. And my goodness, are they getting ready for that season right now, aren't they? In the commercial, and that's a commercial venue, isn't it? If ever it was one. My goodness gracious me. Megan says, I always thought flying wasn't normal for humans to be doing, only we're to be flying and soaring in our dreams. I often have dreams of flying. Do you? I do. In my dreams of flying, I breathe and I go... And then I get higher and higher and higher. Do you have those, Moshe? You don't? Why are you laughing at me? My eldest, my Bachor, my firstborn, is grinning at me like a Cheshire cat. Why are you laughing? You want to come up here? I've got my boys with me today. I tell you, I tell you. It's fun, isn't it? I can see all the chat. Chris De La Rosa, where are you at, Chris? I always ask, but I always forget. Pixie from Dixie, there's so many of you that are so faithful. And we even had such a mess up today, but we managed to pan it through and go live for an hour and 15 minutes. It's amazing what you can do with technology. Mm -mm -mm. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Mary Trotter has totally got the wrong end of the stick. And she says, let me, let me get this straight. If we don't get rid of our birth certificates and marriage certificates, we may not enter the kingdom of Yahuwah. 
Um, Mary, you've got that all upside down backwards. I don't know if I've ever read such a thing in scripture. That is not what we were saying. You weren't listening. Mary! But you see, that's what happens. That's what happens. Maybe I'm just a terrible communicator, and that is a huge possibility as well. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yahweh is bigger than your mistakes and my mistakes. But if you continue to take benefits from the man, you might find yourself going down a slippery slope to a FEMA camp. That's all I'm saying. All right? And I, we're, not talk, we're talking about this world. Yahweh will always bring his saints into the next world. But if we don't question what's happening in this world, we will succumb to the consequences of being lukewarm in this world. That's all I'm saying, Mary. And um, don't worry, I'm just kind of teasing you a little bit. I'm not picking on you. Oh, Florida, that's right, that's right, that's right. FEMA Region 4, thank you. Speak to me in proper language. You're in FEMA Region 4. J. Daniel, oh, she got deleted. Oh, dear me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, well, I think we're coming to the end of the scroll here. The end of the scroll of the live chat, not the end of the scroll of Scripture. Now, hopefully next week, we'll be live with the traditional system. But now I know how to do it this way, I think we're going to be set. Because I don't need any Bluetooth or any nonsense like that with this system. Yes, I'm going to have to make sure that my nose is fresh and groomed. And, you know, you've got this big mug looking at you. But um, I try to stay back somewhat. I hope I didn't get too close to you. Bless one another. Of course, if you're watching this after the live, then please leave some comments down to down below and give us some thumbs up right now, those of you that are remaining. It really does help to get the algorithms up and to draw in other tribal brethren that are out there surfing the YouTube righteously, and then we'll ping up on the collection on the side. And remember, you can always go to torahtothetribes.com forward slash connect connect at Shabbat Fellowship. Shabbat Fellowship is just blowing up, and I'm just so thankful to all of the stewards, Miss Tamara and Joshua, down there in Arizona in the desert heat for stewarding that platform and so many others. We've got the Women's Fellowship. We've got the Men's Fellowship. We've got Torah Youth. So many places that you can connect with one another. So please do that. And those of you that do support the ministry, with your prayers, they're most important, and your giving and your gifts, thank you so much. It is a battle, as you can see. And there are all kinds of problems and trepidations along the way. But Yahweh is faithful. You're part of a prophetic movement of the gathering of the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, that he wants you and I to walk as kings and priests upon this world as they go into captivity and slavery and they're going to own nothing and be happy. Whereas there's going to be another people, a division of the camp that will be stewarding the millennium. Drip feed irrigation. And if they don't come up to the feast of Yahweh, we're just going to be... You don't get any water. I know, I know I'm silly, but these are the ways I see the scripture. Do you? 
put it in the comments below, and I'll catch you, Yahweh willing, next week live, either on this funny little camera or on the traditional system, but we'll be live. Yahweh bless you, and thank you for your patience. I know I can be a salty character, and I know sometimes I can, Mary Trotter's like, I don't know if I'm going to watch anymore. But you see, that's just the way I communicate. And some would say it's terrible, and others would say great. But thank you for being patient. I'm a man just like you, and you know what? We make mistakes. Oftentimes, people try and put me up on a pedestal, and that is not where I belong. I belong down in the troops, with the troops, with you. And that is where the blessing is. And that's what I love about when we gather together at the feasts of Yahuwah. I get to be amongst the troops, which is the 12 tribes, you guys scattered abroad, and we are all one in Moshiach Yahusha. Shabbat Shalom and Yahuwah bless you.